0: You're listening to Behind the Note Podcast, brought to you by a musician for musicians. Here, you will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. Now, here is your host, Chris Davis. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for pressing play once again. This is episode number six. Now, I want to educate you a little bit because I haven't done so to this point, and that's my fault. When I let you know what episode we're on that is because you can go to behindthenote.com and you can search for episode 6 in this case for example and you'll find the show notes which which simply means that everything that we talk about is on the show notes page. So for example, if we mention a book that helped the the person now that we're interviewing for example like in uh episode one elaine dane mentioned the artist way well you can go to the show notes page and find the artist way instead of having to do your own google search you can just go to the show notes page or an artist might mention um something that helped them out as far as equipment or something so you'll find a link there on their show notes page and you don't have to go all over the internet for yourself because I'm going to do that work for you. I've already done it for you. So that's why I always mention what episode we're on. So you can find things out um, through the episode number or by searching the artist's name on BehindTheNote.com. So there you have it. Finally, I need ratings and reviews from you on itunes otherwise i would never make this new and noteworthy list so if you believe that so far we're doing a good job or even if you don't either way just let me know what you think give me a one two three four or five star leave me an honest rating and then please also leave a comment let me know what you like let me know what you don't like and I will adjust the show accordingly because really this is for you. It's not for me. It's for you. So uh, I just want to say thank you ahead of time. And for those who do leave a rating and or a comment, I will thank you publicly right here on the show. So you'll get to hear your name on the show, live on the internet. And that's just going to be my way of saying thank you for rating and commenting. doesn't matter if you leave uh one, two, three, four, or five star review. Just leave an honest review and I'll be thankful. Now, we have once again a really great show for you. And I'm really excited to have this person on because, in my opinion, he is really killing it, as we say, in the local music scene here. He's from Chicago, Illinois. And, in my opinion, I think he's ready for New York. Some people like to wait before they go to New York, they think it's such a a big scene. And I guess maybe it is or it isn't. That's, I guess, relative to your point of view. But however, this guy is really doing a good job. He's well known in Chicago jazz scene. And he has a bachelor's degree in music education and jazz studies, uh, a master's degree. So he decided to go to school and he also is just a really great performer. He He's worked with Willie Pickens, Benny Golson, Rodney Whitaker. The list goes on. I don't want to keep going on with that list because that, that could take a while. But one reason that I wanted to have him on the show is because he's released three CDs in three years as a band leader. And I thought that he could teach us a few things about that. And he's going to tell us how that's helped his career as well as some things that he's learned. Uh, His CDs are called New Gospel. This is in order. In 2011, he released New Gospel. In 2012, he released Sounds of the City. And in 2013, he released The Poet. Now, this trumpet player is also winner of the Carmine Caruso Trumpet Competition, as well as the ITG Trumpet Competition. It's my pleasure to introduce to you trumpeter Marquise Hill. Thanks a lot, Marquise, for joining us on the show today. We love to have you.
1: Oh, man. Thanks for having me, Chris. Anytime.
0: So uh, we're going to get right into the meat of everything here. And I want you to tell us briefly the story about how you ended up playing trumpet.
1: I actually started playing the drum set in the fourth grade and my, my elementary school marching band. I was a snare drummer. And I, I have I have an older cousin that played, played the trumpet at the time. She's one year older than me. She was uh, in the fifth grade. And we lived in an apartment building. So me and my mother, we lived on the first floor, and she lived on the second floor. So I would hear her practicing through the ceilings and through the walls. And, you know, I was the only child. And as a as a, a youngster I, w- I looked up to my cousin and I wanted to be just like her so I actually switched to the trumpet in the fifth grade um, and funny enough she actually doesn't play anymore but she was actually my main reason for playing the trumpet i I started in the fifth grade like I said and then I just kind of fell in love with it
0: and I'm just curious when did you get serious about music and playing the trumpet
1: I think I got serious I would say maybe my junior year of high school um that's when I... I started to see that you can actually make a living um, playing music um, and also just doing things related to music, like teaching. Uh, I was always uh, around great educators, Diane Ellis, I went to Dixon Elementary School, Uh, Diane Ellis is still there, she's been there for the last, I think, 16, 17 years. I also had the opportunity to meet Professor Ronald Carter, who actually teaches at NIU right now. I met him when I was in the eighth grade, and I joined a summer program, the South Shore Youth Jazz Ensemble. So I've always been around really great educators, and that kind of rubbed off on me as well. So I knew I wanted to do music, you know, in some, some sort, in some way around my junior year of high school.
0: Nice. You kind of lead, led me right into my next question. I wanted you to talk about your teachers for a moment. I want to know, tell us how each one of them influenced you in your study. And just give us like one important lesson that you learned from them that you still apply today. So I want to touch on three people specifically. Okay. And let's start with Diane Ellis because she was elementary, correct?
1: She was my elementary school teacher, yeah. Um, the the biggest thing I would say that I got from her is that the the, the music is very important. And also it's important to expose students to this this art form we call jazz, this American, this Black American art form that we call jazz. At a very young age, um, I received my first jazz CD in the fifth grade when I joined the, the the band. My first album was a Lee Morgan record. I believe it was Candy, and she she gave it to me. That just kind of stuck with me. Just exposing children to to this American art form at a very young age because it is a dying art form. Um, you'll be surprised of how many youngsters really don't know that jazz is an American art form. So for Miss Ellis, that really, that stuck with me. And I think it's very important to expose students and children to this art form at a very young age, like she did to me and many other my peers.
0: Do you have that opportunity to expose young people to jazz?
1: I do. I, um... I teach at Lincoln Park High School. I'm doing a residency through the Jazz Institute. Um, they're not as young as I was in fourth grade, but I still think it's a it's, it's a start. Yeah, so I come in once a week and I work with their jazz band and I do clinics and I just kind of give them the history of the music and just try to turn them on to it, get them excited about it.
0: Man, what a uh, treat that taught, is!
1: Yeah, I taught elementary school last year for about three months, um, and it was it, it was great. Trying to expose them to the music as well. It was a it was a process, but
0: now let's talk about Art Davis. Mm-hmm. What what has he taught you that you still apply today?
1: Art Davis, he you know he he was my teacher at, at NIU. Uh, my my first I would say teacher that I I got to see on a regular basis throughout high school. I had teachers that I would I would see once every two or three weeks, um, once a month, sometime. But Art, when I joined the the band at NIU. I had a lesson with him every single, every single week. And the thing that stuck with me is that you just have to be serious about playing the trumpet. Art is an amazing trumpet player. He's an amazing jazz trumpet player, but at the end of the day, he's a trumpet player, and he really engraved that into me. You have to be able to play play the horn. No genre specific, but just being an actual trumpet player, playing the instrument. And, and to this day, you know, I, I'm in my Arben's book, and I'm trying to work on my sound and just just getting the the basics and the fundamentals of the trumpet together, and that that really stuck with me while studying with Art.
0: Now, we also had another teacher. I say we because I also went to Northern Illinois University. Yeah. And this next name I'm about to drop, guys, for our listeners, this is not the famous bass player. But we (laughs) had a teacher by the name of Ron Carter who is a very influential educator. Just as good as Ron Carter is on bass, the bassist, this Ron Carter is equally as good, if not better, as an educator. So uh, I want to talk about Ron Carter for a second. What What did he teach you that stuck with you that you still oh, apply?
1: Carter's taught me a lot about music, jazz, life, just being a man. But one of the, the, the most important things that really stuck with me that I learned from Carter is whatever you're doing, you have to do it 150 percent. If it's music, if it's, you know anything being a student being at NIU you know Carter always told me grades came first just whatever you decide to do give it your all and and that's 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 present when you look at Carter's career and his his track record he's done a lot of things and when you see him work with these bands and you see him work and do clinics around the country, you just see how serious and how he, he pours his heart and soul into it. And, and that's what really stuck with with me um, from Professor Carter, just giving your all to whatever it is you do.
0: That's great, because I also learned the same thing from him. He's yeah. pretty inspiring in that way. Absolutely. He's, he's like got that Energizer battery in him. It's
1: pretty Absolutely. amazing. Uh, he's, there's, there's no one like him. He's the one and only Professor Ronald Carter. man. Yeah. And,
0: and for some reason, it doesn't matter what band he steps <clears throat> in front of. It doesn't matter. It can be children. It could be old men. When he steps in front of the band, they start to swing. No matter yep. if they knew how before or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the
1: seriousness he brings to to the front of the bandstand. Once he, once he steps in front of that band... Um, I mean, he he is a big joker, but underneath all of that, you see how serious he is about this music and this art form, and it's 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 a it's a talent that he has. It's it's amazing.
0: All right, I'm, we're going to switch gears now. Tell me if I'm incorrect, but I was reading up on you. It seems like you did the Marcus Belgrave trumpet competition.
1: Yeah, I did, in, um, I did that in. I did that in this past summer. There okay. Was a trumpet competition that that. Um, that was dedicated to Marcus Belgrave, held in Detroit. It was a great experience. I, um, I had the opportunity to, to play uh, two gigs in front of him in Detroit at Cliff Bell's, a, a well-known club there, and also the Dirty Dog Cafe, which is also a well-named club in Detroit. And it was just amazing being around the legend Marcus Belgrave. He is truly a legend, and I learned so much from him just from being around him.
0: Now, is it also true you did the Carmine Caruso competition?
1: I did. I did that. Um, also, this this past year, and that was that was crazy. It was amazing. Um, the entire process was just kind of kind of crazy. I um, I sent in an audition tape. I was selected. I think they they were saying there was over two thousand submissions. That was. Five of us selected, so just that alone making making it to the semifinals was just an honor for me. Out of 2,000 trumpet players around the world, I was selected out of you know the top five, so that that was an honor for me. Uh, but we we um, we went out to Cincinnati. We had an hour to rehearse with the rhythm section, um, and then the very next day we we performed in front of a, a massive audience, and they they selected a winner. It was it was a great experience.
0: Now, did you end up winning that competition?
1: I did win that one. <clears throat> I won first place in the Carmichael Caruso competition.
0: And what about the Belgrave competition? Did you also win that one?
1: I did not win the Belgrave competition. Uh, actually, a really good friend of mine, Theo Croker, who actually studied with Marcus um, at Oberlin College, he he ended up winning that one.
0: Oh, that was fixed, man. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just playing.
1: Man, I, I was thinking that uh, <laughs> at some point.
0: <laughs> That's funny.
1: Yeah, but, you know.
0: No, nah, I'm just joking, guys. I, I don't know what what's his name? His name is Theo. Oh, I don't, man, he's bad. I don't he's know Theo, great. guys. I'm just oh, joking. He's
1: a, he's a great he's a great player, man. It was I learned so much from him just watching him play, man. It was it was a cool experience. But the fact that he actually studied with Marcus was a, you know <laughs> a little upper hand, I think. But you know, regardless, it was a great experience, man. I'm glad I was a part of it.
0: And then there was the international trumpet competition. Was that also last year?
1: Uh that was two that was two years ago. Okay, Um, That was held in Atlanta. It was the the ITG, and that was actually an amazing experience too. Similar to the Carmine Caruso, you sent in an audition tape, and they narrowed it down to uh, three instead of five. It was just three of us and they flew us out to Atlanta to the ITG which is the huge trumpet convention that happens once a year um so just being around those those amazing trumpet players was a great experience for me as well they flew us down to Atlanta we had an hour to rehearse with the rhythm section this one was kind of unique because they gave us a surprise piece um the 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 day of the competition they said okay here's a piece you have to you know play it completely unprepared and um it it was uh, it was a cool experience and I, I actually ended up winning that one as well
0: yeah congratulations thank you man we want to get into your psyche a little bit why okay. do you compete in these competitions first of all why do you do this
1: to be to be honest this may not be the answer that a lot of people want to hear but at the time i did those competitions for for the money uh being a musician is actually a it's a pretty a, a tough <laughs> it's a tough lifestyle, uh, living gig to gig and, you know, teaching private students here and there, but pretty much you're living gig to gig. Some gigs pay better than others. But when I, um, saw these competitions and they, they actually paid a lot of money and I know some people who won them before and they said they were actually great experiences. So that was the main reason I did it. I'm not really competitive, competitive person. And I think, especially when it comes to jazz music, jazz is a, is a, um, it's a loving art form. It's a, a open art form, and I don't think it's, it's it, sh- it wasn't created to be a competitive thing. So I, I honestly did those to to try to win some money to to pay my rent. <laughs> to be to be quite honest,
0: it's worked out for you, man. And I think that it pretty- did,
1: man. It was it's a blessing, man. I I thank God every day. It really was a blessing. And actually, the Carmine Caruso competition. If I didn't win that competition, I wouldn't have been able to record my my la- latest record. So. It was really a blessing for me to to take first prize in that, so it allowed me to record my um my my latest record, The Poet.
0: Oh man, that's great! Now I was going to get into that, so I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. Okay. Uh, one more thing about these competitions mm-hmm. how how do you prepare for these competitions? Is there anything that you do differently than your normal practice routine?
1: To a certain extent, yeah, but really, it's um. Just, just playing the tunes um, out of all the competitions, they, they gave us a list of tunes and I just kind of played through the tunes every day and tried to prepare them the best that I could. It's not like I went on a crazy, crazy regimen to get pumped for this jazz competition. You know, It wasn't one of those things. I just um, kept my normal daily routine and spent a little extra time just working on the changes in the melody and, and the, the tunes that we were going to play at the competitions.
0: All right, now, I wasn't going to mention this, but you kind of brought it up. Uh, really quick, just tell us, how do you personally learn changes? What's your process? What's Marquise Hill's process?
1: Okay, uh, interesting, yeah, because I actually talked to a lot of my students about this. I, I study the melody first of any any tune because uh, in any great jazz center or any, any tune, um, the melody, once you hear the melody, you should hear the changes. So I spend a lot of time just really listening to the melody uh take for instance i've been working on the tune angel eyes lately with some students so we went back and checked out grant green's version of it um ella Fitzgerald has a version of it frank sinatra has a version of it so i just go and really check it check out the melodies and and start to hear the changes through the melodies. So once I get the melody down nice and tight, I go through the tune and I walk a bass line. This is funny. I've literally taught a lesson on this yesterday. I I walk a bass line on my instrument, on the trumpet, um, just highlighting the, the triads at first of each chord, then after I, I have that nice and solid, I'll go back and walk a bass line, adding the extensions. I, I have a little method that I, I uh, call putting yourself in a mental box. So after that, I would go through and improvise over the tune only using the chord tones. Then after after I feel pretty comfortable doing that then I start to use more chromaticism and leading tones. But the main thing I do to work on changes is walking, actually walking a baseline on my instrument, being sure that I can hear the changes and the melody through my bass lines.
0: Man, that's really great. And one one thing about that method you just described, as a trumpet player, I know that if you have the horn on your face, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting better if you're, if you're doing it yeah. correctly. And Absolutely. so that could be a way to warm up. As, as mm-hmm. At the same time that you're learning a, a tune. So, yeah, that's everything really is a
1: sound exercise. Yeah, I, I, I treat those bass lines as the sound exercise. Um, yeah, absolutely. Good man, point.
0: That's really great. I didn't want to, I didn't mean to get off into the theory of things, but oh, no, that's no just work, a question man. I had. Okay, now let's talk about the CDs. Mm-hmm. Okay, you released a CD of original music each year for the last three
1: years. Mm -hmm. I have
0: never seen you launch a crowdfunding campaign. First of all, congratulations on that.
1: Oh, thank you, man.
0: I personally consider it a great accomplishment to be able to release a CD of original music, let alone one a year for the last three years. That's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So you kind of hinted on it earlier, but talk about the process that you have used to do this three times in three years. Take us from the first written note to the first sale.
1: I released my first record, I I think it was 2011, maybe, or 2012, New Gospel. Um, and at that time, I was just finishing up undergraduate. Um, actually, I was just finishing up grad school. Um, and just a little side note, I think in this modern day, I guess, jazz business, the only way to, to make a mark and to put your voice out there and get your personal Voice out there is to put out a record, so that was my main goal of putting out my very first record. Like I just, I felt that I had a a original, unique voice that I wanted to get get exposed to the world. So I put out a first record. It's it's actually it's a pretty expensive process, so it required saving money and. Um, you know, paying the musicians and booking the studio time, but just just going back, I um I, I had the music already written for the first record, but then I needed to find a band. Um, so I, I I the saxophone player on the record is Christopher McBride. I went to college with him. He, you know you know Chris as well. Um, I knew I wanted him immediately because when we play together, our our sounds are very similar. So I knew I wanted that that sound on the record. Uh, being in a big city like Chicago, I go out to different sessions and different concerts and I you just start to meet people. I met this great drummer, Jeremy Cunningham. He had just moved from Cincinnati at the time and we played a gig. Um, uh, actually, it wasn't a gig. It was a jam session. We played a jam session at the Apartment Lounge, which used to be ran by the late, great Von Freeman. I think we played the blues and he was just swinging so hard. And I was looking for that type of feeling. So uh, I called him up and said, hey, man, would you like to get together and read some music sometime? And um, he said, yeah, I'll be down. You know, he was new in town. He was just eager to meet people. So that's how I met Jeremy, the drummer. The pianist is another guy I just kind of met on the scene. His name is Joshua Mosier, who now lives in L.A. And what was really unique about him, I think I saw him playing at the Jazz Showcase with a vocalist. He had a really light touch. He he He's a musician, but his, his main thing is uh, film scoring. Um, so he applied that. Technique to film score to his improvisations, which made him play really unique to me. So I heard him. I said, "Hey, man, would you like to you know get together and read and play some music?" Um, he was down. And then the the final person was John Tate, which is a bass player who uh, now lives in New York from Chicago. I actually went to college with him as well, we played in a combo at NIU. And he has a really nice hump, a great feel. So I knew I wanted him to play. So I just put the band together and. and Put together a couple of rehearsals and said, "All right, guys, let's 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 try to record a record." And we went in the studio and did it.
0: Just curious, was it literally a couple of rehearsals
1: for the very first one? It was. I want to say we did maybe two rehearsals and then we had one or two gigs. Nice. Yeah, for the for the very very first one. Okay. Um, the second one was actually a little different because we had been a band for a while, so we've been playing throughout the year. Um and I have written more music and I wanted to continue to put my voice out there and get my my music out. So I said, guys, let's uh let's let's try to do it again. So we uh we played some more gigs and had a couple more rehearsals and we we did the last record. Uh Sounds of the city, which was the second record. Uh this third record, The Poet, is actually a completely different rhythm section. Drummer Makaya McCraven, bassist Joshua Ramos, vibraphonist Justin Thomas, and percussionist Juan Pastor. I just wanted my music to go in a different direction. I was writing some different things, and you know, time is changing. I was listening to different things. I got a little bit older, so my my interest and my my voice was changing. So I I, I sought out these musicians, and we literally on this one we got together and rehearsed, I think twice, and then we had one gig and got in the studio and and we did it. So it's a it's an interesting process to to record a, to record a record.
0: Now, when you record it and you and you get it printed, first of all, how how do you get it printed? Do you use disc makers? I know that's pretty popular.
1: Yeah, I do. Okay, um, I use disc makers. I've used them for the last three records. Um, they're pretty pricey, but they they are sufficient. They they get it done. Um, once you sign up through disc makers, they give you uh, a personal artist that you can call them any time of the day, and they take care of your project personally. Um. So they're they're just great professionals. Everything looks good. It sounds good. So, yeah, I, I just stuck with them.
0: That says a lot about their service. Right yeah, on. they're great, man. Yeah. OK, so now you record it. You got your CD in here, And I think the work really begins at that point. How do, you, yeah, absolutely. how do you sell your music?
1: That's when you have to hustle a little bit. The first two records, I did everything on my own. I, I, I got a radio list from a good friend of mine. You know, I went to Office Depot, got a huge thing of padded envelopes, got a you know a huge thing of stamps, and I, I wrote the address and I sent all the CDs out to the record, um, sorry, the radio stations myself. Um, and it's actually really taxing; it's really expensive, but I think it, it needs to be done if you want to get your music and your voice out there. Uh, this last record I actually hired a publicist. Hold on, went- I'm sorry.
0: Before you go to the publicist route. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's going to take that, the initial route of, of mailing themselves, how much money can they expect to spend on that approximately from your experience?
1: Yeah, depending on how many stations you want to send the album to, I think on the very first one, I think I sent it to about three or four hundred radio stations around the U.S. It was pretty expensive. The, the stamps alone are really expensive, the 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 envelopes and then the, the price of actually shipping them. I would say you're looking to spend at least seven, eight hundred dollars, close to a thousand dollars, just on shipping the 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 albums out to the radio stations and the magazines.
0: Now, did you see a good return on your investment from that?
1: I, I did actually on the first and second one. Like I said, I did those myself, and I saw a pretty good return. I got Downbeat reviewed in Downbeat and got a little airplay around around mostly around the Midwest and east coast a little bit so i saw some return i did
0: now the Um, downbeat was that something you saw out did you send a cd to downbeat or did they find it from you mailing it out to these various radio stations
1: actually I, i sent a cd to them along with that list of radio stations i had a list like magazines and blogs and websites that i also sent the albums to so yeah, they, they, I sent it to them and they checked it out and they reviewed it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you say the third CD, you use the publicist. Tell us about that, this, please.
1: Yeah, this third one, uh, just going back to that Carmine Caruso competition, without winning that, I wouldn't have been able to do any of this. So like I said, it was such a blessing and um, everything happens for a reason. So I, I won that competition and so I was able to afford to hire a publicist. Now, a publicist runs about... $3,500. But you get a really good publicist and they literally do everything for you. So instead of me having to send them out to the magazines, this this lady I use, Terry Henty, really great publicist. A lot of guys from Chicago uses her. She sent them out. So we just kind of exchanged through email. I sent her three or 400 copies of the CD and she just sent them all out over the US. And I got a lot of good return from using her. Uh, I would say the route, the best route is to actually use a publicist if you can afford it. But as a musician, it's very hard to do all this on your own. So if need be, just put in that groundwork and do it yourself, you know? Um, Yes. But if you can't afford it, the publicist is the route to go.
0: (laughs) Now, if you could put a number on it, like percentage-wise, how much more of a return did you see using a publicist versus doing it on your own?
1: I would say through using a publicist, the, the notoriety and the percentage jumped up, I would say, 50 or 60 percent than it was when I was using just myself. The thing about a publicist is they, they do this for a living. So if they send something to a a label or um, a radio station or a magazine, when the person who sees that package sees this publicist's name, they know that it's going to be something good because the publicist wouldn't take on an artist that they didn't respect and didn't check out before. Um. So by using a publicist, it's, it, it opened a lot of doors, a lot of doors.
0: And let's be clear about something for, for a minute. You're not on a major record label, or are you? I'm not on a
1: label. Okay. Uh, the first two were unreleased. This last one I put put out on actually um, Skip Tone Music. A friend of mine, Milton Suggs, has a label in New York. Uh, it's a small, very small, independent label that has myself, Milton, Christopher McBride, Ah, uh, Larry Brown, uh, great pianist Willem Delisford is actually on the label as well. Um so yeah, the last one was on a label. Yeah, it was. It, it was on a label. But the, the label really didn't do much. It's it's it was mainly just to have the logo and have the, the backing up of the label. The the word came from me and the publicist.
0: and it's a startup right now. It's it sounds like that's gonna change in the future. It seems that way.
1: Yeah, I hope so.
0: All right. So, man, you, you've really been helpful. Now, let's talk about business chops for for a minute. Absolutely. Okay. First of all, how many days a month on average are you performing?
1: On average, four times, four or five times a week. Okay. So a month that's, you know, 20, 20 times a month, something like that.
0: Now, do you, do you book these shows on your own?
1: The shows that I play with my specific band, uh, my group, yeah. Sometimes they'll reach out to me, but most of the times I, you know, I wake up early and I send out press kits and I send out email trying to book gigs, which is an entirely different thing. It's, it's a hustle doing these things. But like I said, you have to do it yourself because no one's going to do it for you. Uh, so the gigs that I play with my, my band, I most of the time book them myself. Sideman gigs, people call me for them
0: now you know we're, we're all musicians the majority this podcast is for musicians so mm-hmm. musicians are listening and everybody knows that clubs don't pay a lot of money and you really mm-hmm. can't sustain yourself off of that uh-huh. have you found some success with getting uh, performances that actually do pay well
1: yeah yeah i've um especially off of this last record. Like I said, using this publicist has opened, opened a bunch of doors. Um, we, we played um, a couple jazz fests this past summer, um, uh, a couple clubs in Detroit, and they, they heard about my, the new record and the music through the publicist or just through uh, an online blog that reviewed the record or through Downbeat. So yeah, there's definitely some success in finding gigs that, that pay, pay some money. Um, but honestly... It's for me personally. It's really not about the money. It's about it's about the music, you know. But that's you know, it's hard to say that when playing the music is how you you feed yourself, you know. Of course. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, it's it's really just about the music, the art form, and 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 getting my voice out there. You know.
0: We know this is true. I just wanted to ask that question to to prove a point, and you pretty much just hit it out the park when you when you do your due diligence then doors are open for you
1: absolutely absolutely yep yep if you do right by the music the music will do right by you
0: one more question you've, you've been very generous with your time um, one more question for you is there a difference from your experience booking a small club versus a jazz festival is it the same process or is it a little different
1: for me me personally i mean in a nutshell it is the same process um but the thing is, you're more likely to get a response out of a smaller club. These international larger jazz fests, they have thousands of people applying for them. And I'm just a name out of <laughs> these thousands of, of people. So you find the person you need to send, send your press kit and your website link and your press um, quotes and reviews. You, you send all that stuff to them through email and you wait to hear back some at times you have to be kind of a nuisance i've got a little routine where i'll send something once a week if i don't hear back from someone yeah there's there's people that i've been sending materials to for months now and still haven't heard back but i, I still send it because that's that's just a part of the grind and a part of the hustle so the 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 process is the same but the outcome differs you know right. in a smaller club you're more likely to get called back um, and more likely to actually get booked versus these larger international fests where they want to bring in a a large artist with a really big name in the jazz world.
0: And do yeah. you still use the mailing, USPS, or do you use email?
1: You know what? I use email now. Okay. Um, times are changing. Um, everything is electronically, and it's so easy to do that. You just send an email, <clears throat> attach your press kit, attach a link to your site, uh, attach a link. Uh, To some press quotes, uh, attach a link to some videos and write a nice little email and send it out to people. Yeah, it's 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 times are definitely changing. It's actually becoming a a little easier to get things to people.
0: Would you mind sending that to me so we can put that up for people as an example? Are you okay with that? Yeah, I can. uh, I can send one. Yeah. Yeah, we we would really appreciate that, guys. Uh, We're going to have an example for you on the website. So thank you so much Marquise for your time. Absolutely. Uh, about to let you go. Tell people how they can contact you.
1: Yeah, um, the best way is by my, my website www.marquisehill.com. Of course Facebook um I'm, I'm sorry wwfacebook marquise Hill, my, my email address Marquise music at yahoo.com, uh, Twitter, M Hill jazz. Um, so there's there's definitely ways to find me. <laughs>
0: and how are we going to buy your music man
1: no iTunes CD Baby Amazon it should be up everywhere electronically on the internet I've actually recently beginning I have been getting requests of sending out hard copies so if you like a hard copy send me an email to the website um, and I'll get it out to you other than that iTunes has been the, the most important way that cats have been getting the record
0: right on well thanks a lot for your time you've been great appreciate you man
1: Thank you so much, man. Talk to you soon. All right, take it easy. Peace. And
0: that was our conversation with trumpeter Marquise Hill from Chicago, Illinois. He's really quickly rising to the top because he is the cream. Man, guys. he's a great trumpet player. If you haven't heard him, go ahead and and get your ears on his CD. And I'm just going to stop right there because at the top of the show, I've said a lot. So I just want to remind you one more time, go to iTunes and leave leave an honest rating and review, and I will read your name live right here on Behind the Note Podcast as a way to say thank you for that rating and review and our efforts to make the new and noteworthy section. We have to be visible. So that's all for today, guys. Thank you so much for pressing play, and God bless you.